Well, we continue to react to the huge NBA news here in Phoenix and in Washington, D.C. Chris Paul on his way to the Wizards. Bradley Beal on his way to the uh, Phoenix Suns. Joining us now, writes uh, for GQ Sports, and you hear him on the Locked On NBA podcast, and one of our favorite guests on the NBA. Howard Beck joins us now on the Arizona Sports Line. Howard, good morning. How are you? Good morning, fellas. Good. How are you? Good. Uh, so much reaction, and it's all over the spectrum. And was able to watch a snippet uh, of your uh, Locked On NBA podcast, where I think you raised a lot of very pertinent questions that uh, are yet to be answered. But what was your initial reaction to to this deal going down, Howard? I mean, before this trade went down, and it was clear that it was going to be Phoenix or Miami. I kind of viewed it as Miami is the team that makes the most sense, and maybe Phoenix is being floated as as leverage. I like I wasn't even convinced they were really in this mm-hmm. until it actually happened. Uh, that's my honest, you know, view of it through the lens of of the previous you know uh, speculation before it became real. Only because I thought, well, all right, I, I guess you know star chasing is always a thing in this league and super teams. You know, people still want to do it and all that, but. Now, why Beal, this team? Like, I just, it didn't make any sense to me before the trade happened. And then once it actually did happen, yeah, I, uh, I, I was taken aback a little bit. Um, I get it, uh, in the, in the abstract, but for all kinds of reasons that I'm sure we'll get into, I don't think it's the right move and, and I'm very skeptical. Yeah. Okay. So, so in a petri dish under a microscope, turning Chris Paul and Landry Shamit into Bradley Beal seems like a no brainer, but let's talk about the mix now. As a super team, um, when you, when you take all of the long term concerns out of it and it's real hard to separate, obviously, it, can this work from a basketball standpoint? What do you think of this potential product on the floor first, Howard? Yeah, all right. So if we did this without regard to the salary cap and all the new penalties that are coming in this new CBA, if we were just talking about fit, does Bradley Beal fit with Booker and Durant? I think he can, and I think he will, and I think I'm not concerned about that offensively. You know, look, it will require some ratcheting back of usage rates for all three guys, but Booker's already shown that he's adaptable. Kevin Durant has already played with other big threes and, and is a, a pretty selfless superstar. Also, pretty deep in his career and, you know, a few years post-Achilles surgery. So, like, I think anybody taking some of the scoring burden off of him, probably welcome. Um, and while Bradley Beal has often operated as kind of the primary scorer slash playmaker slash ball handler for the Wizards, you know, he he started off in a partnership with John Wall where he was more of an off-ball player. He can be on ball. And and that, I think, listen, I'm, I'm a big believer that the more guys you have who can do something with the ball in their hands, both score and create for themselves or others, is overall a plus. So I don't – like, they'll, I think they'll figure it out. I, I'm not too worried about egos or are there enough basketballs to go around. It's a concern, but I don't think it's going to, to determine um, the success or not. But – They've got a problem defensively, and of course they've got problems with depth. And when I thought about the Suns heading into the offseason, my thought was, well, if they end up sending out Aiton and or Chris Paul, it's going to be to try to get multiple pieces to replenish their supporting cast and their bench. And this goes the opposite direction. This is over-indexing on superstars, which is kind of similar to what the Lakers did when they acquired 
Russell Westbrook and give up a bunch of their depth to do it, and we saw how that turned out. Howard Beck, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. On that subject of depth and, and filling out this roster, do you do you find this this trio to be enticing enough to where guys from around the league will say, you know what, damn it, I'm, I'm going to take the minimum. I'm going to go to Phoenix and be a part of, of this championship run, potentially. Or do you think it's a lot of the same guys that were at the end of the Suns bench last year that come back on minimum deals, Howard? Hard to know. Um, you know, every offseason is different. Every veteran player has a very different outlook on these things. Um, you know, the, the teams with cap room, as per usual, not always, but, you know, most of the time, are teams that aren't that attractive, mm-hmm. right? It's teams that aren't going to the playoffs or teams that are certainly not in championship contention. So if you're a veteran who is a free agent this summer and you're not interested in rebuilding situations in Houston and Detroit and Indiana and Orlando. Um, and by, by the way, Indiana, actually, I shouldn't even throw in there. They, they're, they should be a playoff team if they make a couple decent moves this summer. Um, but with the others, you know, they, they, these aren't the most attractive landing spots. And if you, if you're deep in your career and you want to chase a ring and you haven't gotten one yet, is Phoenix a good place to, to go plant your flag and are those good players to, to stick your, you know, to, to put your fate in, in the hands of? Sure. Yeah. I, I, I could see it, but I, I can't tell you that somebody's going to sacrifice millions to do it or not. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that happens, but it doesn't happen a ton. And so, yeah, more likely than not, they're using the bird rights on a lot of the free agents that are already on the roster as cap holds right now. Um, bring it back a bunch of those guys, you know, Maybe they still trade Aiton for multiple pieces, um, and but there's you know what do I got five guys under contract right yeah, now. Five, yeah. it's not, yeah. not a lot to work with. No, yeah. All right, let's talk about the the perils economically given the changes to the CBA because you're exactly right. The CBA has been changed to to really discourage you know clusters of stars from gathering in destination cities, and and here we go in Phoenix going down that path. Talk about what you see to be the perils of this. I mean, if ever there was a time to not go with the big three model, this is it. The new CBA has all kinds. I don't need to go into all the like terminology and all the craziness of it, but like you've got an apron and a second apron, and these things trigger all kinds of penalties if you're you know deep into the luxury tax. And those penalties include things like losing salary cap exceptions that, for instance, the Warriors used to sign Dante DiVincenzo a year ago, and where would they have been last season? Without him. So you, it's not just tax penalties anymore. You are losing cap exceptions. You're losing the ability to aggregate players in a, in a multiplayer trade and aggregate their salaries. Um, there's potential to lose or, or have your salary, your um, future draft pick mm-hmm. dropped to the end of the first round, no matter where you finish. There's all kinds of other penalties for teams that are the heaviest of spenders. For the Suns to, to make a move like this now, the only way to really rationalize it is to say, well, you know what? We're already neck deep because we traded for Kevin Durant and we traded all of our picks and all of our depth to get him. And so this is just doubling down. You have a short window, a year, two, three with Durant still playing at a high level. You don't know when the last day is going to come. And so as long as you're all in, you might as well be all in. I mean, that would be the way I would, I would rationalize it if I were trying to explain it to the fans, if I were Matt Ishbia uh, in that front office, but I, yeah, look, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm highly skeptical. Bradley Beal's making $200 million over the next four years, $57 million in the last year of that deal. <laughs> he still has the no-trade clause because it comes with him. So if things go south, 
you know, he still has all the control. The reason you got him for for virtually nothing in the first place is because he had a no trade clause and a terrible contract. And it's they have put themselves in a really precarious position. So it could work out, but if it doesn't, the downside is massive. Howard Beck, our guest here on uh, Arizona Sports. Before we let you go, this is the second uh, season, off season in a row, where we're exploring possibilities for the market for DeAndre Ayton under different circumstances, obviously, than last summer. What are you hearing about the trade market for DeAndre Ayton, who's just kind of a, a mystery at this point in his career, Howard? Not a lot. Um, You know, he's obviously a very good player. Um, He has not certainly lived up to the potential of being a a number one overall pick. Um, But he's a very good player. And in a league where, you know, that position still matters a lot, um, you know, and he can play at both ends. Obviously, his attitude slash motor slash whatever has been in question. And I don't think Monty Williams, you know, moving on will necessarily alleviate those concerns for the Suns because, you know, the whole organization knows where his his blemishes are, uh, DeAndre Ayton. So, uh, you know, the, the issue is like they don't have a lot of sizes. Well, they don't have a lot of anything, but they don't have a lot of sizes. So if you're if you're trading him, you need to get size back yes. too. So I think you know you're trying to. Move off of a player who you're not completely sold on if you do it, and to get back multiple pieces so that you can replenish some of your depth. But one of those pieces has to be another big. Uh, you know, are there teams that would you know be highly interested in DeAndre Ayton? Sure. Um, you know, making a deal in this league is always difficult. I'm not sure. You know, it, it's hard to assess the market at this stage. It really is, and I think that the. the the way things go Thursday night in the draft and the deals that get made that night, I think are going to give us a little more clarity. Howard, great stuff as always. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate it.